0: Welcome to DAC Beachcross Lawcast. My name is Ross Risby. I'm a partner in our Professional and Financial lines team. I'm joined today by Catherine Davies and Tom Bedford, other partners in the team who specialise in lawyers' liability. This edition of our podcast focuses on the use of artificial intelligence and its effect on claims against solicitors. We all probably know that law firms have been using AI for quite a while, It's been used for assisting reviews of big disclosure exercises. It's used on predictive coding in similar circumstances. And a lot of the legal journals, such as Westlaw, have been using it for a long time. What's new, though, is generative AI. That is something which creates content or generates it. This can now be used to undertake a lot of different things in the legal sphere. It can be used to do legal research. It can be used to review contracts. And it's going to fundamentally alter the way we practice law. It's also very sexy at the moment. And lots of firms are jumping on the bandwagon.
1: I agree with you, Ross. AI in law firms is definitely on the app. And at the end of last year, apparently, three quarters of the largest firms were using AI, and that was nearly twice the number from just three years ago. And over 60% of large law firms were at least exploring the potential of the new generative system. So the statistics are really interesting, I think. And it's inevitable that, you know, the use of AI in small and medium firms is also going to be rising.
2: Yeah. And in fact, this morning, I've had four emails already, all of which related to AI and its use in law firms. So if if that's anything to go by, I think it's here to stay. And you know what, on the face of it, it looks pretty good. But like everything, there's going to be some downsides. And Lots of us have heard of the case in the US where lawyers relied on chat GPT to draft their submissions and then got into some hot water with the judge because they relied on cases which didn't exist.
0: Yeah, I think what made that even worse was that some of those cases were actually supposed to have been decided by the judge who was hearing that case. I think that counts as not only personal humiliation for the lawyers, but also significant professional embarrassment. I think the problem with these chatbots is that fundamentally they provide answers even if that answer is not true. So despite being called artificial intelligence, a lot of them are not actually that intelligent. They have a limited type of intelligence, I suppose you could say. They hold information, but don't actually evaluate it. They possess knowledge, I would suggest, but not wisdom.
2: I think one of the things I keep coming back to on this, and it's something that I haven't heard being talked about that much, is what's the impact gonna be on claims? So, you know, for those of us who do this kind of work, who defend lawyers, what are our caseloads going to look like in, say, five, 10 or 20 years time? You know, what are the things we're going to be arguing about and why?
1: Well, it's it's bound to cause disputes, isn't it, on the question of duty and breach. I think there are going to be disputes in relation to the extent of a solicitor's duty of care when AI is being used. And it's likely to pe- depend on the contractual arrangements between the solicitor and the client. It's also unclear whether and to what extent solicitors are going to be able to limit their duties to applying the work product or results of AI. Are they going to be able to rely on disclaimers where, for example, an AI product relies on third party data? And, you know, are they going to be relieved from liability when they have used AI with client's consent only for that client to later complain as to the results produced, or that AI was not appropriate for their needs. So lots of questions that I'm not sure if I know the answer to.
0: Well, I'm not surprised actually, and I don't think it's just a case of the output. It's actually also questioning the input that goes into the data source that the AI has access to in the first place. And I think that's why some law firms have decided not to let their lawyers, at least at the moment, use AI, not using chat GPT or similar. Other firms, a bit like DAC Beechcroft, are allowing it, but only subject to quite rigorous controls about not only the use of it, but what can go into the data set, which fundamentally underlies uh, the output to our clients. What for me is crucial is that the staff, particularly the, dare I say it, the older lawyers amongst us, uh, need to be trained in these issues, but also to recognise that it's important that they rely on those within their teams to actually understand how these systems are set up, and what their potential benefit is. A crucial thing on that for me is the piece around confidentiality of client data.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I still think it's quite difficult to imagine where claims could arise, but I was doing some thinking about this and I thought, well, you can imagine that there'll be Situations where, for example, an AI product has um, given a range of settlement values in a dispute and they've ended up getting that wrong, or I suppose it could be used in criminal cases, but AI systems can have bias and that could obviously lead to a miscarriage of justice. I mean, it seems an extreme example, but not impossible. Definitely, I can see that solicitors could use incorrect or inappropriate precedents generated by AI, or AI being used to draft correspondence, which is incorrect or includes false information or pulls through information relating to the wrong client or does something to, you know, adversely affect a party's bargaining position. They're talking about AI products that will help predict the outcome of cases at trial and, you know, that could be wrong. Or... Another thing, I suppose, is solicitors overcharging or charging for work that they say they've done. In fact, it's been done by an AI product.
1: Yeah, and I think also there's inevitably going to be some user error too, isn't there? We've seen similar problems already in the context of digital conveyancing and litigation portals. And these tools can really save costs. but if there are technical difficulties with these systems then disaster can really strike and we've seen that in practice because we recently had one firm notifying you know six or so cases in one afternoon and that was due to a suite of personal injury cases becoming time barred due to failure to properly use the injury portal so it is problematic.
0: Absolutely. I, th- I think we all should be concerned about how data is used. Uh, inevitably, there are going to be lots of claims otherwise.
1: A particular focus
0: for me, I think, is not just around that negligence piece, but also issues around data protection, privacy and defamation. I think what we've got to remember is that AI is not just a force for good. You can, for example, see on, in the press every day at the moment, reference to deep fakes, like poor old Taylor Swift was subject to and it goes beyond that. It goes to, in the legal sphere, it goes to malware, ransomware, phishing attacks, and all sorts of other cybercrime. It, it kind of follows on from kind of the less sophisticated technology tools that we've seen go wrong. For example, the failure in conveyance in case management systems at the end of last year that hit the headlines, uh, which affected I think up to about 200 law firms. There's going to be lots more of examples like that.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And also regulatory consequences. I mean, when we're talking about how data is used or accessed or, you know, I mentioned about overcharging clients, you know, you can imagine that the regulators, um, the SRA in particular, are going to be interested in those sorts of incidents. At the moment, governments and regulators both here in the UK and globally are moving at a pace really now to develop an approach to AI regulation. The SRA's approach currently is to support innovation with some light touch guidance, but we think a heavier approach will be coming down the road as AI develops and problems begin to arise.
1: I agree, Tom, and I think I might come back to that a bit later. But going back to our current day jobs when defending claims, you know, once we've looked at duty and breach, we then ordinarily look to attack claims, don't we, on the issue of causation and loss and quite often, they're quite useful arguments, especially where there's a vulnerability on breach. So we often look to case law to help us, don't we, to construct causation arguments. But case law is thin on the ground, really, where AI has been used in these cases at present, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. And so I was thinking, again, hypothetically, what happens, say, for example, where you've got a case where an AI product has created a precedent contract, but the product has omitted some key terms, which the claimant could argue should have been included to protect it, So how would you defend that? I suppose you could argue that the claimant wouldn't have wanted those terms to be inserted because they would have delayed the transaction or maybe derailed it completely. Or those terms couldn't have been inserted because the claimant had already agreed with the other party that they wouldn't be. Or the claimant's ability to force the other party to include those terms would really depend on its bargaining position. So then you end up in a sort of loss of chance sort of scenario where you're saying, well, you know, they would never have agreed or might they have agreed to that term being inserted. So actually, some of this isn't really that different to the sort of arguments we raise now.
0: I think that's almost certainly right. And I think it does extend beyond that, though, to where we're looking at recovery from third parties. I mean, traditionally in the lawyer's field, we've looked at barristers if you're acting for solicitors. You may have looked at accountants or surveyors. I think we're going to move on now. We're actually going to be looking at other sorts of third parties. For example, the companies, the IT professionals who are providing the IT services, who are providing the databases, who are providing the information that go into the databases on which the legal advice is provided.
1: Yeah, I think there are loads of interesting things to consider when it comes to loss now. The cost benefits to a claimant, obviously, from using AI. AI may have led to a poorer outcome for a client, but the loss suffered could be eclipsed by the additional costs which would have been incurred had the work been completed by a solicitor rather than by an ai product so that's a really interesting concept to think about i think remoteness and foreseeability are areas you know where ai will come into focus how these com- concepts apply depend on the facts of a case, but we can see the scope for these disputes. Then then you've got things like contributory negligence. This could arise where, for example, a solicitor is warned against the use of AI, but the client has insisted upon it. And, you know, finally... Could there be arguments about failing to mitigate and to pursue the AI provider before a professional negligence claim is pursued? I mean, it's unlikely to succeed in my view, but potentially an argument there.
0: I think that's right and you only need to look across the pond to see what's happening because this is certainly not an issue just for UK law firms. As we know, the US is light years ahead of us in some respects and um, there's lots of reports uh, about the US law firms investing extremely heavily in new technology, particularly AI, partly as a way to boost profitability on the back of improved efficiency. They're also using AI, interestingly, in business development to help identify new sources of work and improve client engagement.
2: Yeah, that might be happening here too. I'm not sure. I've I've not seen that it's happening here, but um, I think they are a bit further ahead, as you've said. But I, from what I've gathered, I think there is still some scepticism in the US about the use of AI. And some of the biggest law firms out there apparently have blocked use of chat GPT about given concerns about privacy and accuracy of information. And some a bit like us are allowing access but putting controls around that.
1: So I think you're right that there are legitimate fears as to the impact on paralegals who feature heavily in the US law firms. The debate there is similar to to the one that's here with many experts concluding that AI will make paralegals more efficient and not redundant.
2: Yeah, so I think then we can say that we all agree probably that AI is a huge opportunity, but it's not one that comes without challenges. So can I just ask the two of you, what would your top tips be to any law firms considering investing in an AI product now?
0: Oh, uh, to coin a phrase, I think education, education, education. I think, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the key is for the lawyers to trust the IT professionals who are forming the basis for those technological models, those AI chatbots and the rest of things that we're using to ensure that what goes into them and therefore what goes out of them is reliable, accurate and secure. And of course, if you're using client data, the ultimate concern there is that you've got proper consent from them.
1: Yeah, and I think that the SRA are going to introduce a regulatory framework to govern the use of AI. I said I'd come back to this and I, you know, this is an area that interests me. But, you know, the profession has historically been slow to adapt and firms just need to bring their people with them on this AI journey. So I agree with Ross. The pace of change will be different depending on the type of firm and the race to be the first firm leading in this space isn't necessarily going to create winners. And so AI has to be implemented properly and embedded within a firm's culture.
2: It sounds to me like we need to be patient and there's going to be some trial and error with all of this. The legal and regulatory framework is still developing, as is the sort of picture in terms of what, where the liability is going to lie and what is going to crop up. But ultimately, you know, it's going to happen. AI is growing and it's going to become, you know, part of our daily lives if it isn't already. One of my takeaways, though, is that the common denominator still is people. We're not yet redundant, which is good news. If anything, I think at least for now, we need more people with different skills and particularly lawyers who have strong technical and IT skills to manage the changes required to make AI a part of our day to day legal practice.